Man, what a weekend. David Glenn is not here. I'm Darren Vaught, filling in. Happy to do so on this Monday afternoon. I hope you're doing well. For those maybe a little less familiar with the program, I'm normally on the other side of the glass, playing the music, playing the sound, talking in DG's here, trying my best to wrangle him to a commercial break on time. I'll try not to do the same or cause the same stress for Charles Hadley, who's on the other side of the glass in my place today. Intern Will of William Peace University is over there as well. And, I, you know, I don't normally get these types of shows. This is, this is crazy. Normally when I'm filling in, it's dog days of summer, mid-July, nothing to talk about except baseball, which is fine by me. So I, it, it usually results in me rambling about baseball for three hours. That's not the case today because we had a fully stacked football weekend with week one of the NFL, actual games that matter. Some of them did anyway. And then week two of a college football season that sees a lot of success early for our state of North Carolina teams. I mean, it's insane. Mac Brown is back. Mac and the U could not simultaneously be back. They could not both be back at the same time on Saturday night. One of them had to win. And the Tar Heels got another fourth quarter comeback to advance to 2-0 and in Mac Brown's return to that head coaching position. We were there with the big tailgate tour, and it was a hell of a crowd. Chapel Hill and, and people from, uh, uh, assumedly, people traveling from outside Chapel Hill Good on you. You guys showed out. That was a lot of fun. Really big-time game, big-time environment. And the Tar Heels rewarded you for showing out and being loud and, and getting that fourth quarter comeback victory over the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, NC State is 2-0. and There's a, a Duke absolutely beat the brakes off of North Carolina A&T, which, again, we, we said it last week going into the matchup. That's an FBS school versus an FCS school. So the FBS program should win, right? But A&T is a perennial powerhouse at the FCS level. So we had our doubts going in. But Duke is one and one. Their only loss was to Alabama, which, of course, I mean, no one expected them to win that game. Wake Forest is 2-0. and the aforementioned UNC 2-0, they play this week, Thursday night, non-conference game. Two Atlantic Coast Conference teams playing each other, non-conference game. It's a weird wrinkle into the college football season. So they play this week. I, I don't know. I, I had questions entering the college football season as to who the best of the big four ACC teams was going to be right I think we all had questions there DG has said a few times now that he he thinks Wake Forest could be that team they're sort of the dark horse that maybe not 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 many would expect to play that role uh 
this freshman quarterback, Sam Howell, coming in for North Carolina. You didn't exactly know what to expect there. New guy Matthew McKay under center for NC State and Dave Doran. Wasn't quite sure what to expect there. They're all looking good. So in addition to, and I've got, <laughs> I'm not as good at this, this gas bagging thing as, as DG admittedly, right? He, you just give him three hours, he's going to go, especially after a weekend like this. He's got thoughts. He's got opinions. He's got musings. I have my thoughts for sure. But I, I, I'm, I'm helping myself out, right? I've got a, a handful of guests coming in today that are going to help me break down the weekend. In addition to that, we are still going to play best and worst of the weekend. So 1-800-849-2761. Feel free to chime in on your own. I see Gary and Wilson is already on the line. My guy, Gary, with his best and worst of the weekend. This is my personal rule. DG never enforces this. But if you have a worst of the weekend, you got to bring me a best. We're not, pl- we're not playing that game where we just complain about everything. So give me a best and a worst or just a best at 1-800-849-2761. I've got a couple of segments that we can get those in here in the first hour. Uh, Looking forward to catching up with you guys in the early going of today's show. Otherwise, Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic is going to talk Panthers with us. Gino Toretta, you guys remember him? Former Miami quarterback, played a handful of years in the NFL. He's a college football analyst for Touchdown Radio. Now, I heard him uh, a little bit on our way to Chapel Hill. I turned on the Clemson-Texas A&M game, and he was the analyst for that one on the national radio broadcast. So Gino is going to talk Clemson Tigers with us. He's going to talk the U, since he did catch a little bit, I think, of the game in Chapel Hill while he was uh, navigating in between his broadcasting schedule. The voice of the Tar Heels, Jones Angel is going to join us as well as Chip Patterson, college football writer for CBSSports.com. And then Brian Geisinger, our old friend from ACCSports.com and the ACC Sports Journal. He's going to hang out in studio for an extended period a little bit later. He actually watched Team USA this morning. Did you guys know that USA basketball played a game in the World Cup at 8.30 this morning against Brazil? They got a win. BG watched every second of it. And he also had, he's got other responsibilities. I mean, he's doing ACC Sports Journal stuff. He's with Sports Channel 8 as well. So they had a radio show this morning. I don't know how he does it. He's, he's a machine. So I'm looking forward to Brian Geisinger being in studio to talk about that. So in addition to your best and worst of the weekend nominations, I'm curious what you guys think to this point in the college football season. Who's the best big four school right now? The best big four team. Is it North Carolina? In the very first two games of Mac Brown being their head coach again. Is it North Carolina? Because they've got wins. Regardless of how they got them, right? I mean, both fourth quarter comebacks led by a true freshman in Sam Howell. They've got wins over South Carolina and Miami. And I'm telling you, if you play blind resume with ACC teams and you put those two wins on that that resume, it's kind of tough to argue versus the others. It is. I don't know that we've seen enough out of of NC State, for instance. They they haven't had a, a, a real test yet with Matthew McKay at quarterback, so it certainly could be them. Wake Forest... 
I'm telling you, and, and Roddy Jones of the ACC Network, I think it was him that was on with DG a few weeks ago and said it. They could start the year 9-0 and if they got past that initial test against Utah State, which was sort of an off-the-radar but really good team with a Heisman candidate or a Heisman candidate hopeful at quarterback in Jordan Love. So let me know what you think. 1-800-849-2761. We'll get to your best and worst of the weekend calls as well. Gary and Wilson, as I said, is already on the line. He will be first up on the other side. Darren Vaught filling in for DG. This is the David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. opportunities today uh, and I think that's what's the most frustrating part because you know you're not going to just keep getting this good field position you know what I'm saying? you're not just going to keep getting opportunities left and right uh, more than anything else missed opportunities you go back and look at the opportunities we had we, we, we can't do those things. we had chances on third down to get off the field as a defense we had chances on offense to score you know you get the ball down to their 35 in, in the first half twice and don't come away with no points that's you know you can't miss those opportunities Welcome back into the David Glenn Show. Cam Newton and Ron Rivera there. Darren Vaught here. As David Glenn is out today. He's out uh, playing golf for a good cause, albeit. The Carolina Hurricanes Foundation, they strive to meet the health and educational needs of children with a focus on undeserved populations. Uh, This is an event that DG's teams have won many times before. So... Best of luck to DG as he is presumably out on the links now. I think they got started at like 9 a.m. So I, I, I think he is well into their round of golf today. Hope he's doing well. Uh, Panthers fans, are you tired of hearing that? What Cam Newton and Ron Rivera both had to say coming out of the break there. Just missed, oppor- missed opportunities. That was it. Just, we just missed opportunities. Couldn't capitalize. The Carolina Panthers yesterday, I don't think showed me anything to lead me away from the incredibly mediocre expectations coming into this season, right? It's, it's been seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven. That's kind of the expectation anywhere you look. The odds makers have it that way. Most fans have it that way. People, people even often more optimistic about the Carolina Panthers have it that way because you've got certain concerns with position groups. There's a, despite the fact that of, of all NFL teams, the Panthers have a, a lot of core stability over a long run now by this point, right? I mean, Cam Newton and Ron Rivera have been in their positions for a long time ever since Cam Newton was drafted and Ron was hired that same year. But there's still just a, a, a bit of uncertainty. And I think there's, there's something in the box score in particular that to me 
is indicative of why I can't get past the, the mediocre hump when it comes to my expectations for the Carolina Panthers. Now, Cam Newton got off to sort of a slow start to the season. He admitted some rust was there, and you'll have that week one. Starters don't play much at all in the preseason anymore, so in a way, for some, weeks one and two could probably serve as preseason games. Now, it doesn't help that the Panthers will play on Thursday and have a short week this week after a rusty week one. And I think Gary and Wilson, actually, I'm going to get to him because he, he has the point in the box score in mind that exactly is what I want to pinpoint. So uh, we'll take Gary's call for best and worst of the weekend. You guys can follow him at 1-800-849-2761. And then I'll elaborate a little bit. Um, Gary and Wilson, welcome to the DG Show. How are you today? Yes, uh, doing great. Thank you, Darren. Your star is rising, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, Gary. Uh, your show's also a great start, and I'd like to chime in that my best of the weekend was Christian McCaffrey. For sure. But, however, the worst of the weekend was the whole Panthers team except for McCaffrey and Luke Keekley. And uh, as I watched game I love to uh, watch Keekly individually he was making plays and giving great effort and that was a Herculean performance by McCaffrey with uh, to go 125 yards on the ground and 10 receptions for 80 some yards and he was utilized exactly the way the Panthers need to utilize him if they're going to win games, but the effort by the rest of the team was very lackluster. I uh, appreciate the call, Gary. A couple of things touching on his points. Uh, Luke Keekley, generally speaking, yesterday or otherwise, is a blast to watch individually. I don't know to what degree. You know in the sport of basketball they have – uh, it, it's called. I think. I think the the sort of the frontier company in this is called Sport View Tracking. It, it, it's you see the stats about how many miles a player ran in the span of a game, something like that, and they track the trail that a player runs on the court, and you know they they, they track the mileage uh, and specific angles that that are run by by players and that sort of thing. I don't know to what degree of sophistication. Uh, football is at with that type of technology, but I would love to see the numbers on Luke Keekley. He's it, because he will make his way to a play efficiently, but he does it so often. There's no way that guy doesn't run five miles in a football game. It, it's crazy. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's the one I did want to talk about, though. So appreciate Gary and Wilson pointing that out. McCaffrey, I think we all can agree if you watch the game, was sensational. He get this. Prior to yesterday's game, Christian McCaffrey, now in his second year with the Carolina Panthers, so he's, he's pretty new to this still, was one of five NFL players ever in the Super Bowl era to have 10 or more receptions 
and 120 rushing yards in a game. One of five. He accomplished that in his rookie season. Yesterday, game one, year two. He's the only guy to do it twice in his career. That's insane. So McCaffrey, it goes without saying, was really, really good. But here's why, and the L.A. Rams were in the Super Bowl last year, are sort of a standard to which the Panthers aspire to be. McCaffrey was used pretty much every play. He was on the field 67 out of 67 offensive snaps for the Panthers, which we we have come to expect. He was on the field for like 90% of their snaps a season ago as a rookie, someone brand new to this. The L.A. Rams, again, successful as a team, have a, a running back of their own that is pretty good, right? Todd Gurley. Tarboro, North Carolina guy. And I don't know how much the the injury concerns or or whatever factor into this. But Todd Gurley is not used nearly to the extent as Christian McCaffrey. He's not the same player. He's not the same player. But McCaffrey, even now in his third year, I think I said second year, third year, Christian McCaffrey is used to a degree that no other running back is used. And I think we all can say we've been concerned with the depth at that position for the Carolina Panthers. We'll go to yesterday. Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 97 yards. Maybe the quietest 14 carries, 97 yards in NFL history. It just seemed like Anytime I was, I was really focused on, all right, what are the Rams running? What are they doing offensively? How are they trying to catch the Panthers off guard? I kept going back to, why aren't they giving it to Gurley? Why aren't they giving it to Gurley? And Goff wasn't sensational at quarterback, Jared Goff. 23 of 39, 186 yards, a score and an INT. But they got productive running from Malcolm Brown, 11 carries, to Gurley's 14, 53 yards. He had two scores. It was, in a weird way, it was like, all right, they're trying to get Brown touchdowns. He's, he's going to be like, he's, he's their, their finisher, their vulture. And, of course, they spread the ball out offensively with, with the throwing as well because Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Tyler Higby, Gurley had a reception. They were all involved in one way or another, and that is without a dynamic number one wideout. I mean, those are good players. Robert Woods is a a good wide receiver in the NFL. Cooper Cup, good NFL wide receiver. Brandon Cooks only had two catches. They spread the ball around in a way that I don't worry about any of them if I was an L.A. Rams fan. I mean, of course, you've got your, your usual concern for Gurley because the veiled messaging and you're, not, you're just not 100% sure what's going on with him. Even his high school coach was on with DG toward the end of last season and said, look, I haven't been told explicitly so, but I, my inclination is something's wrong with Gurley. 
So I just wonder, with the way that the Carolina Panthers operate their offense, and look, McCaffrey's a sturdy dude. That play that Eric Weddle, the safety for for the Rams, got hurt. (laughs) McCaffrey had every reason to be the player whose body was compromised on that play. But he's just, he's stout. And he, he got through it. And unfortunately, it's a vicious game. So Eric Weddle was carted off the field. But uh, McCaffrey is sturdy. I think he's going to be a relatively durable player. But there's only so much you can do. Because at some point, I, I just fear his body's going to start breaking down. And we're not going to be able to use him. I said we. <laughs> I never do that. I'm not even really a Panthers fan either. I'm just... I just feel that passionately about the overuse of Christian McCaffrey. Nine, like 90% of snaps last season. It's unreal, and it's just not sustainable to me. Whereas other teams are, it, maybe the plan with Todd Gurley for the Rams is that they're saving him to a certain degree for later in the season. And that's smart, because guess what? They still got the win 30-27. to 27. Over a team that's not not bad. It's not like they were playing the Dolphins. It's not like the Panthers are trying to lose because the Dolphins, the Dolphins will lose every single game if you let them. Watch. So those are my concerns. I, I think especially for a team that has had injury concerns out of its MVP quarterback, its star Cam Newton, there's not there's just not enough deliberate care paid to a, a guy in Christian McCaffrey who we we know is a star and could continue to be a star. That's my problem with the way the Panthers are operating their offense. I get it. It, it works to a certain degree. They were in it yesterday because of Christian McCaffrey and what he could do when they use him pretty much every single play but I just don't know how well that's going to work in the long term for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I'm Darren Vaught filling in for DG on the David Glenn Show. Let's hit a quick break and talk a little bit about college football in North Carolina. That's coming up on the other side. Darren in for DG. This is the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to good. the show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. Four receivers in the formation. Monte Williams to the left of Howell. He'll send him out into the flat right side. Howell looking, standing tall, lets it go. Man there. Touchdown. Touchdown, Carolina. Jazz Newsom tiptoes in the right side of the end zone for six. That was the call from Saturday night. Jones Angel of the Tar Heel Sports Network. He'll join us second hour to discuss the second of two victories in a row for Mac Brown, beginning his second tenure as the North Carolina Tar Heels head football coach. Darren Vaught in for DG. This is the David Glenn Show. Jordan Rodrigue is going to join us to talk Panthers and NFL here in about 10 minutes. And I posed the question in the open, which big four 
State of North, the Big Four. I, I'm going to explain it because when it was said to me the very first time, I'm not from North Carolina, so when it was exp- when it was when it was referred to as the Big Four for the very first time, I don't know that I knew exactly what someone was talking about. Whoever that conversation was with, maybe even DG. So the Big Four, the four State of North Carolina ACC schools: Wake Forest two and zero, NC State two and zero, Duke one and one, with its only loss coming at the hands of the Crimson Tide of Alabama. Which of those four is the best right now? Because I don't think we expected North Carolina to be in this conversation. I think we we expected there was a possibility NC State was going to be there. We all know the success that Dave Clawson has had at Wake Forest. And our, we get to see our first head-to-head matchup in this, in this uh, quartet Coming this Thursday, the non-conference, I'm using air quotes, game between North Carolina and Wake Forest. So we'll get our first look at, at any two of these teams head-to-head. And I just think it's a, it's a trickier question now because even in the case of the Duke Blue Devils, we went into Saturday thinking, man, A&T, North Carolina A&T, might be a test for them despite the FCS-FBS disparity there because – North Carolina A&T has won the Celebration Bowl, the HBCU National Championship, three out of the last four years, and are a steady, steady program that's always pretty good. But Duke routed them. Bounced back after the loss to Alabama in a big way. And I think think they've got a chance to be pretty good too. So if you have an opinion on that, For sure, we welcome it here at the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can get that one in. NC State, I'm anxious to see this weekend because going to Morgantown, West Virginia to play the Mountaineers, to me, will be their first true test. And I'm not saying it's a a Clemson, Texas A&M test, like the Tigers got this Saturday and proved to be the better team by leaps and bounds. Gino Toretta was on that call. He'll join us coming up at the top of the second hour. But NC State's looked really good, and they're doing it. We've all heard about this recruiting resurgence under Dave Doran, and there are a lot of local guys that are making an impact, young local guys. Matthew McKay, we mentioned. Uh, his, his mom wants him to be called Matthew, not Matt. So we're, we're doing our best to grant her wish here on the David Glenn Show. Matthew McKay, 18 for 28 against Western Carolina. 41 to 0 was the final score. Charles Hadley, who's filling in for me, he's still wearing your WCU gear, too. He's a Western Carolina grad. That's fun. I think he roots for the Tar Heels as well. So this is not a particularly great scenario for you, my friend. Big loss for the Catamounts. Uh, McKay... Played well, 200 yards and a score. Zonovan Knight is electric at running back. He had 119 yards and two scores for NC State. And again, they've just got, they've got a lot of weapons. Ricky Person Jr. had 10 carries, averaged over five per. Jordan Houston, 73 yards on the ground. They, they've got a lot of interesting players on that team. In this, it's, it's a sort of reload. For NC State, especially defensively. I mean, they've the past couple of years sent so many guys to the draft. It's 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 tough to retain 
the same kind of success you've had on that side of the ball. So I'll be really interested to see what they do against West Virginia because I think they, they're a possible answer to this question as well. Who's the best big four football program right now? UNC, 2-0, and wins over an SEC opponent at a neutral site. That was South Carolina in Charlotte to open their season, fourth quarter comeback. And then they beat Miami at Keenan Stadium Saturday night. We were there, another fourth quarter comeback. Led by freshman quarterback Sam Howell. And on that game-winning drive, it included a 4th and 17 conversion. Chapel Hill was going nuts, man. So they've been a lot of fun to watch. I think Wake Forest is really good. Duke is probably slept on more than any of the four, based, A, on their past, but they opened with Alabama, so they started 0-1 and and don't have the buzzy, undefeated start that everyone else has. Maybe we'll ask uh, Chip Patterson of CBS Sports. He's going to join us a little bit later. I'd be interested to hear Brian Geisinger's thoughts on that as well. ACCsports.com and the ACC Sports Journal, Sports Channel 8 as well. But on the other side, uh, we're going to revert our attention back to the NFL and the Carolina Panthers as Jordan Rodriguez, one of our favorites from the Athletic Carolina, stops in to discuss the loss, 30-27, to yesterday at the hands of the L.A. Rams. Jordan Rodriguez on the other side. This is Darren Vaught filling in for DG. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back in. It's the David Glenn Show. Happy Monday to you. Darren Vaught filling in for DG, who is out golfing, but it's for the kids, Charles. Charles Hadley on my side of the glass where I normally am on the ones and twos. My appreciation to him. Intern Will of William Peace is with us as well, taking your calls for a little bit later. I'm I'm telling you, DG's a little bit better at the gas bagging thing than me, so I'm getting some help from my friends. And now uh, one of my absolute favorite in the industry to help us break down the Panthers' 30-27 loss to the L.A. Rams yesterday is Jordan Rodrigue of the Athletic Carolina. Jordan, hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I really love your music on this show. That's always a, a highlight for me. That's I set the bar hot. I set the you. bar so high, Jordan. So Charles, I think, you is do. taking from me, but he does get some props. He got, he got me some childish Gambino earlier already. We're not even through hour one, and he's he is. He's crushing it. So uh, appreciate that. I take a lot of pride in the diversity of music that we have on this program. But um, th- to football – The Panthers with a close loss, three points to the defending NFC champions. And I think on the surface, it's easy to say, all right, well, that's not a bad loss. But I just have, I don't know, Jordan, there's something while watching that game, I just did, I couldn't find myself straying away from, I think, the pretty much universal expectations for the Panthers that they're going to be 
mediocre or, or, or that that is sort of the expectation that we've saw we've seen a lot of seven and nine eight and eight nine and seven projections um did you take anything away from the Rams game yesterday that would lead you either to either side of that projection well I, I had a couple of of main thoughts and I think it's fair for for fans to to wonder and to doubt a little bit because there were some sloppy moments um very much so but my my key takeaways are I didn't have the um, kind of the the false storefront suspicion um, that I had while watching the Dallas game last year because obviously that was a win, but it was concerning for reasons that showed up later. Yeah, um, just certain things that that were uncharacteristic of of a Panthers defense of a Ron Rivera defense um, that showed up later in the season that were extremely telling um, that first game where kind of things were like, well, that's a great win. Wait a second. Um, I didn't have that feeling. So I thought that was, that was interesting to not have that like false storefront win of feeling or loss feeling. Um, the other thing was um, I think that the sloppiness of a few moments really um, out, outshone some of the, the really, I think depth and, and some of the real positive things that, that happened. I think there are more, and I wrote about this specifically I think there are more layers to this defense than we've seen in years here, and I think that's very important because as that develops, um, this, this team will play better. Um, the, the, the sloppiness, though, um, what, what the team has to do now as it finds its identity is make sure that these, these you know, four or five sloppy moments, six sloppy moments that happen through the course of a game do not become the identity of this football team at, or a part, or even a part of it, as it kind of establishes what kind of a team it is by October, and that's something that they could not do last year. And, and lots of things went wrong last year um, to lead to the collapse and implosion. But part of it was the, the sloppy little moments that were like, "Oh, it's okay, it's game one," or "Oh, it's okay, it's game three." Those became a part of the identity of the team. And I'm talking specifically about defense and kind of these these little things that, that happened last year that became a part of the idea, the, the identity of the team um, as it moved into October. And those need to be cut out immediately. And I think that, that this, this year, this is a year where this coaching staff diagnosed what happened to, the, to it last year um, and kind of now knows that this cannot be um, kind of an oopsie, you know, by week four. <laughs> so, uh, Jordan Rodriguez yeah, of the Athletic Carolina. My big takeaway. Yeah, Jordan Rodriguez of the Athletic Carolina is with us. Uh, you, you mentioned the dynamic nature of the defense. Uh, you, you wrote about it at the Athletic Carolina and specifically what the Bolt scheme is. So I encourage people to check that out uh, if they are, in fact, athletic subscribers. And if not, what are you doing at this point? Because they've got a bevy <laughs> of great writers like Jordan. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez. Christian McCaffrey had a really, really just tremendous game. Uh, in my estimation, I think I saw you tweet as much as well. I can't imagine you would find anyone that disagrees, um, including the the insertion of the the wild calf. I saw you tweet it that the wildcat formation <laughs> with Christian receiving the snap is that a, is that a Jordan Rodrigue coined term or did somebody else come up with that? That was back when I was staying up late watching uh, my beloved Pac-12 Network um, <laughs> and. 
Stanford, the people, the, the couple broadcasters calling a Stanford game coined that one, actually. <laughs> nice. Oh, well, I like it. I think it could stick pretty, pretty easily. But uh, McCaffrey became one of, well, he, he was before one of five ever with 10 plus receptions, 120 rushing yards in a game. Yesterday, he became the only one to do it twice in his career in the Super Bowl era. I, for a team whose fans, and I don't know how Panthers fans do it, quite frankly, because there's always the usual concern with Cam Newton and his health. For a team that is constantly, and I would imagine NFL fans everywhere do this to a certain degree, you're just constantly paranoid about injuries wreaking havoc on your team. McCaffrey was on the field for 67 of all 67 snaps for the offense for the Panthers yesterday. And he's a sturdy guy, but do you, do you question whether or not using him to this degree in every facet offensively is sustainable? You know, I think I think anytime I think for anybody it is. I mean, I questioned when they had Greg Van Roten on the field for every snap. You know, last <laughs> year I was like, what? But I think you know, I think that um, part of this is I don't think he. I don't. Tr- I don't really think that we're going to see this this level of uh going to Christian every single game and I think that's if you take that sample size of, of six games that Cam Newton was healthy last year and North Turner's offense was really starting to click, you saw you saw some some different flashes of things um from week to week. So, you know, in the first week they used or excuse me, in week two last year against Atlanta, they used Christian really heavily, um, I believe in the passing game as check down, check down, check down. And then the next week, um, he ran it down Cincinnati's throat, had one of his best rushing games of his career. And so um, I think it's just going to shift from week to week because defenses are going to play him differently now because he's put this on tape. And so defenses will play him differently. And so then, you know, maybe next week they're playing Christian with a spy or they're playing someone really heavy um, against Christian or they're loading things in different ways to counter Christian. Um, and then Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore end up having the big week that week because they're designed more in the check down or they're designed more in some gadget plays or, or things like that. And so I think that's, that's what we saw from the six games um, from when North Turner's offense was clicking last year and from when Cam Newton was healthy last year. So I have no reason to believe that it will be different. Um, I think it's fair for fans to question it, and, and especially when you know they, they were beating it into our brains that he would be used more efficiently this year. Um, but so far, early in this season, it's, Christian's made it clear. He doesn't want to come off the field, and um, he's made it clear with his performance that right now, at this current moment, early in the season, there's no reason that he should. Jordan Rodrigue of the Athletic Carolina is with us. And, and finally, I mentioned I were, made reference to your piece uh, at the Athletic Carolina today involving the question of just what is the bolt scheme in this dynamic new 3-4 version of the Carolina Panthers defense? You don't have to give the whole thing away because I do want people to go check it out and read it. Jordan tweeted it out earlier at Jordan Rodrigue, but uh, in maybe the broadest, most enticing way to get somebody to go check it out, Jordan, what is the bolt scheme? Well, um, and thanks for, for asking and for plugging that because I'm pretty excited about that. I've been working on it since training camp, kind of like digging on it behind the scenes. And it's basically, um, it's not, it's dime, but it's not dime. And, and this is important because Carolina has, was one of the only two teams in the league that played zero dime in like a, in a league where it's becoming very fashionable to do so. And it's not that though, because they, they've, they've implemented a twist by, by really playing 
to their personnel, which is something that now with this much versatility on defense and with Ron Rivera calling the plays and, and Eric Washington helping design, um, this is something that they are now able to do. And so it's exciting because it adds a layer that we haven't seen before, um, which is indicative of, of what progress this defense can make this year. Um, and, and also the reason why I think people should be less depressed about yesterday than than I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, again, I have my questions, and it, to a certain degree I, I needed to because I was having you on, so questions are needed for, for this sure. interview setting. Uh, Jordan Rodriguez of the Athletic Carolina joining us. I love what I saw yesterday from the defense. I, I think your point is well taken, as well as the offense, sort of the new layers to it as well. I think there's uh, enough to be excited about coming out of week one. But, Jordan, thanks so much for the time and for uh, catching up with us today, all right? Thanks, Darren. It's always a pleasure, man. All right. Jordan Rodrigue. Follow her on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue. There's a U in Jordan, so make sure you, you get that in there. J-O-U-R-D-A-N. Really great stuff over at The Athletic that she pumps out on a regular basis. She as well as Joseph Person, our good friend here at The David Glenn Show. Well, that does it for our number one. On the other side, Gino Toretta was on the national radio call for Clemson hosting and beating Texas A&M. Was that as hard as it's going to get for the Tigers? We'll check in with Gino on the other side. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show.